The internet says a lot of things about motherhood. Motherhood means that I can't shower or work out and that it's normal and even expected that I'm gonna hide in the closet from my kids, that they are gonna drive me up a wall and there's really nothing to be done about it. But at the exact same time, there is so much pressure on the modern mom to do it all. There's almost this societal weight on moms to make sure we are doing all the right things for our kids with the right parenting philosophy, all the while not losing ourselves. I don't know about you, but that's officially overwhelming. On the one hand, what my culture says to me is strive, 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 don't rest. But on the other hand, what I'm offered is a boatload of complacency and grumbling, neither of which seem good to me, which makes me wonder, is there a better way? Hello and welcome to Delight in Motherhood, a podcast devoted to delighting ourselves in the Lord and in our callings as moms. I'm your host, Kira Nelson. I'm a homeschool mom to three little boys, a wife, a Bible teacher, a seminary student. But most importantly, I'm a Christian who is loved by my Savior. The Christian understanding of God is unique. On the one hand, we don't need to do anything to justify ourselves before God. I come to God fully acceptable on account of what Jesus did on my behalf when he lived a perfectly holy life, died and rose again. On the other hand though, there is nothing that I can ever do to justify myself before God, right? I can't say to God, hey look, I'm just like every other mom, we all yell and get angry at our kids sometimes. It's totally normal, right? Because the Lord is holy. He is perfect. I am not, and so I'm never going to get to a place in my Christian life where I can say, I'm good enough. There's never going to be a point at which I can say, hey, look at me, I've nailed it. In 1 Peter, we read that since we call on Him as holy, we are to conduct ourselves with reverent fear. I serve a holy God who calls me to holy reverence. For the Christian mom then, anxious striving that oppressive societal pressure is excluded. Christ has done everything necessary for my salvation. But at the same time, grumbling complacency is also excluded. A perfectly holy God calls me to be holy because he is holy. So then what does God offer to a young mom like me? I would argue first and foremost, God offers me himself. And then he offers me, as a young mom, delighted motherhood. Hello, friends. Welcome to Delighted Motherhood. I'm so excited that you're listening today, and I'm really excited about this podcast. I'm looking forward to some great conversations with some really great moms discussing these practical, fun topics related to enjoying our kids, savoring our kids, and delighting in this season of motherhood. We'll be talking about things like how to have a quiet time when your kids are awake, or tea time, why that might be a fun rhythm to incorporate into our days. But before we get into those fun, chatty conversations, at the outset, I think it's a good idea for us just to talk about what we mean when we say delighted motherhood. Because of the fall, even under the very best circumstances, 
every mother is going to struggle to varying degrees with her calling, right? Like we're not always going to feel delighted. And God knows that. He knows our hearts. He knows that I lack patience. He knows that I fail to be kind, that I am selfish, and that I put my own needs before the needs of others. God knows that although we love our kids, sometimes the idea of spending a Saturday alone with screaming toddlers makes us cringe. But although God knows each of our unique circumstances, he calls young moms to something very interesting. He calls us to love our kids affectionately. And this understanding for me has been really foundational. About five years ago, just when I was getting started with motherhood, an older woman from my church invited a group of us brand new moms to walk through Titus 2 over nine months. During one of the weeks of that study, she zoomed in on Titus 2, 4 through 5, which reads that older women are to teach the younger women, now I'm quoting, what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. And then jumping down to verse 10, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. The word that's used for love here is philandros, which means a love that has emotion. It's an I like you and I'm in love with you kind of love. This is not a duty-driven, I love you, but I don't like you. This is an affectionate love, a love of one who is deeply attached. And I'm so encouraged that regardless of our mothering circumstances, God wants us to have an I like you, I'm attached to you sort of love. His design is not just for me to grit my teeth and get through marriage and motherhood. But the basis for this affectionate love isn't actually my kids. So Titus 2 is a household code. This is a household code for the people of God, those who are within the household of God. So the women who this instruction is given to would be assumed to be Christians. And as Christians, they would be people who love the Lord. The person who captivates them, who motivates them, is their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The understanding is that first and foremost, they're going to be delighted in the Lord. So if you're listening today and you're not a Christian, this podcast is for you. We're going to be talking about some really practical topics that are universally helpful. But also, I pray that as we walk through this journey of parenting, I pray that God will reveal himself to us more and more and that we'll feel our need of him. Because truthfully, if we don't delight ourselves in the Lord, we cannot fully enjoy our kids the way we were intended to. Because in motherhood, every mom knows we're going to sacrifice. But I think it's really important for me to think about who I'm sacrificing for. If I'm working unto my kids, I'm going to struggle to be delighted by them and to really love them. I've for sure made a point to complain to my husband about how many tantrums or blowouts I've dealt with in order to get a little hard-earned recognition. Because in that moment, I want everyone to know that I have sacrificed for my husband and my kids, and they need to recognize it. But for the delighted mom who is delighted in the Lord, her kids aren't the ones that are sanctifying her. 
and she isn't primarily sacrificing for her kids. Instead, it is the Lord who is sanctifying her. And the Lord who loves me, right? He's going to use everything in my life to call me to be more like himself in this beautiful way. And of course, that's going to include parenting. I'm called to lay down my life as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. This isn't a drudgery. This is a joyous calling given to me by the one who loves me, the one who made me. Think about a really compelling romance, a really beautiful love story. When somebody is in love, they joyfully and happily lay aside all these important things for the one that they love. Like in a movie, when someone races out of his job or leaves his car by the side of the road, runs through a cloud, slashes the bad guys. It's so romantic and it's so enthralling, right? But you don't ever hear this. You don't ever hear the hero saying, hey, just quick public service announcement. I'm sacrificing a lot here and I don't like it, right? Obviously not. Like the sacrifice is there, but it's done joyfully. There's not any complaining. There's not any showboating. His love, his passionate love for his beloved is what motivates him. I think one of the reasons why we love romances so much is that every time we see this self-sacrificial love, it's a picture for us, not of ourselves, not of our kids, but of Jesus running to rescue his beloved, no matter the cost. Oh, right? Like that is our Lord. And he invites us to love him back. A delighted mom is captivated by her savior. By his grace, she takes great joy and delight in the beautiful calling he's given her to lay down her life to him in loving her family with an affectionate love. She doesn't see her calling as a bummer. She sees it instead as an exciting opportunity to delight herself in him and see his hand at work in the world and specifically in the lives of her kids. She's on an epic adventure and her kids are there for part of it. The epic adventure that she's on for her entire life is with her savior. So I wonder for me if sometimes Some of that complaining and discontentment, frustration, and even bitterness that I felt in my heart comes from me thinking about myself or my kids as the object rather than thinking about the Lord as being the object. Or I focus so much on my own circumstances and how my circumstances are much harder than another mom's circumstances. And I think it's helpful to recognize that some of our circumstances are really, really hard. Whether you're a single mom who's struggling to make ends meet, or your child has a mental disability and they lash out out at you in frustration and anger, or maybe you struggle with depression and the idea of leaving the house with your kids causes you anxiety. I'm encouraged to think that the Lord is going to meet us in any of these circumstances because he's the one who's actually given us these circumstances. A book that's always encouraged me is The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. It's her autobiography. It's about two Dutch middle-aged sisters, Corrie and her sister Betsy, 
who are put into a concentration camp for hiding Jews during World War II. If they had simply accepted their circumstance and silently endured unto death, it would have made complete sense and we would have applauded them as heroes. But this autobiography is so inspiring because they don't just do that. One of the sisters in particular, Betsy, looks for joy and continually asks how she can bless her fellow prisoners, even though she's literally freezing and starving. During an iconic scene, Betsy urges her sister to thank God for the fleas, which Corey, obviously and understandably, does not want to do. But they thank God for the fleas, and then somehow they have a smuggled Bible, and they start this epic Bible study huddled around one light bulb in the blustery, lice-infested barracks. The lice-infested barracks that the guards won't come into because of the lice. Hundreds of women from across Europe who have been treated worse than cattle for slaughter get to hear of the love and the tender mercy of God from a frail, sickly woman who delights herself in the Lord. Hundreds of women meet their Savior in the darkest of places, just days and weeks before many of them would perish. In the most wicked circumstance, Betsy, who would herself die in the camp, turned to her Savior and said, My love, my Lord, what would you have me do here? Betsy was delighted. And honestly, my friends, her story, it spurs me to ask, how can I be delighted in my circumstance? What I'm trying to argue is that God will meet us in all of our circumstances and he invites us to rest in him and find joy in our calling. This is not the call to fulfill the law of being a perfect, happy wife who gets up at five o'clock. And truthfully, some of our circumstances are lament worthy. Corey and Betsy Tenboom's circumstance certainly was. And the scriptures are filled with saints lamenting in a holy way to their Lord. But I think it's also helpful to recognize that in everything we do, we're going to face discontentment. Sometimes, even when things are going well, I might feel discontented by motherhood. And when I feel that discontentment, it should be like a siren alerting me to the fact that I live in a fallen world and the only true refuge is found in the Lord. Only he can give me a heart to serve him. Motherhood isn't death. It's a call to put to death, therefore, what is earthly and unspiritual in us and instead desire the better portion. But motherhood might feel like death sometimes. And when it does, we need to be on our knees asking for help. And that's what Titus 2 is really all about. Motherhood is hard. It's very challenging. And yes, it's a sanctifying calling. And it makes absolute sense that I need to be trained in how to do this well. What's so encouraging about Titus 2 is that it doesn't say, young mom, go figure this out on your own. It says older women help the younger moms out. And I think how a lot of this is going to play out for many of us is really, really practical. For example, for me, if I don't spend time in the word every morning, I feel really off and out of whack the rest of the day. 
So the narrative that's so common that says, well, because you have little kids, you just can't have a quiet time anymore is super unhelpful to me. But by God's grace, some older women have been training me to seize opportunities to be in the word, honestly, even more than before I had kids. My soul is utterly dependent on the Lord, and I cannot tell you how that practical advice has blessed me. There are many areas in our lives that I want practical help in that aren't so much about biblical directives like this is right, this is wrong, but are rather just preferences, just preferences for how I'm going to operate best as a mom in my household with my particular kids. So for example, the way that my brain works, I don't do very well when my house is messy. So telling me that when I have kids, my house is just certainly going to be messy is really not encouraging. Uh, It might be that God is calling me to live outside my comfort zone in terms of mess, and that's an area that I can grow in. But also, praise the Lord, some practical women have shared some strategies with me for maintaining order in my home, and my very type A brain is super blessed by a clean kitchen. So before I throw up the towel and just say, oh, well, this is just the way that it is, I want to ask for help. I want to ask godly women if they have some practical strategies for doing things like working out with my kids or memorizing scripture. Perhaps it's planning healthy meals or even traveling internationally, having a rich prayer life, home decorating, pursuing education, romance with my husband, or even really fun things like having candlelit dinners while you still have toddlers. Now, everything on that list is totally voluntary. It's up to you whether or not these are things that are helpful to you. You may not care at all about traveling, in which case just ignore the episode on traveling. Just pick and choose what's going to be helpful for you in your particular season and circumstance. Every time we have a mom on the show, we're going to talk about the things that have been hard, and then we're going to talk about some topic related to enjoying and being delighted by our season of motherhood. We're going to be sharing best practices. So sharing best practices is something that people in other professions and callings do all the time. Doctors and pastors and lawyers will go to conferences to talk about the things that are working the best. They need continuing education for their hard professions, and moms need continuing education for our very hard calling. But even more than continuing education, we need the Lord. Because no matter how many practical strategies we get, there are going to be rough days. They're even going to be rough weeks and rough years. And that's when we need to remember that the Lord is the one who is writing our story. We just finished reading a lovely book, The Railway Children with Our Kids. It's a delightful story published in 1906 about the adventures of three siblings while they live in a poor cottage in the country. In the story, their father has been wrongly imprisoned for espionage, and the mother is left to care for the family all alone, and it's a pretty dire situation. At one point, the 10-year-old Peter says to his mother that he wishes they could be in a book that she's writing, to which she responds, Don't you think it's rather nice to think that we're in a book that God is writing? If I were writing the book, I might make mistakes, but God knows how to make the story end just right in the way that's best for us. Do you really believe that, Mother? Peter asked. Yes, I do believe it, almost always, except when I'm so sad, I can't believe anything. 
but even when I can't believe, I know that it's true. My fellow mamas, isn't it so nice to think we're in a book that God is writing and that he knows how to make it all turn out right in the end. He knows who each of our kids are, each of their particular issues. He knows when we are exhausted and tired and feel like we can't do this anymore. And he says, turn to me, dear one. I am the one who loves you. And I am the one who has given you this calling. I am praying that God may use this platform to help us delight in him more and more so that we might enjoy and have fun with this lovely calling he's given us to do. If we seek him in it, it is a wonderful, beautiful, sanctifying, holy calling that God can use to draw us all the nearer to his truly delightful heart. So until next time, sisters, may God help us to delight in him as we delight in the calling that he is giving us.